As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, This Is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. want to become a better racer? Are you interested in expanding your knowledge of our sport? If so, thisisbracketracing.com is the place for you. Thisisbracketracing.com houses well over 300 training resources on literally every topic that you could imagine as it pertains to sportsman drag racing. We have trainings dedicated toward improving reaction time, toward uh, sharpening your skills at the finish line, toward increasing your mental game, uh, tech and torque converter, carburetors, you name it, and much, much more. Best of all, on your first visit to thisisbracketracing.com, we award you with one training of your choice for free. Again, that's the best part. It is your choice. So whatever it is that you are interested in and want to focus on, we have a training for you. It's yours for free. To check it out, just go to thisisbracketracing.com and click the Start Here button on the homepage. As we get closer to racing this season, you'll need to start thinking about which of your parts could use a little tune-up or perhaps a replacement. Keep BTE in mind. That's Bill Taylor Enterprises. For all your high-performance transmission needs, torque converters, parts, complete transmissions, BTE does it all. Check them out at BTE Racing or find them on Facebook. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. 
our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss the loose caboose and the butterbean. Big Jed, it's been a couple of weeks. We've got a lot of racing action to cover. How you been? I've been well. Um, in that two weeks, um, seem to be dodging tornadoes down here and, and bad weather. Boy, we've had a tough run in, in this part of the country, but uh, as uh, we're recording this, it's maybe behind us finally uh we we think we've got our last bit of severe weather so hopefully everything's cool just um looking forward to talking about some racing man we got a lot of top performers to talk about in this show it's uh it's only march the 25th as we record this but there's a lot of great performances that we're going to discuss no doubt and jed i would say that uh as as stressful as it must be to dodge tornadoes is certainly better than the alternative. Yeah. Um, yeah. To your point, just in the in the past two weeks since the last time that we recorded a podcast together, there have been some marquee performances, and basically we dedicate this show to racers that have not won recently, but have won multiple times recently, or been in multiple finals recently, or in several cases ran themselves in a final recently basically if you haven't staged into two finals and you're hoping that your name gets mentioned on today's show don't hold your breath because a lot of people have <laughs> good point that's the first uh the first half ish of this show we're gonna break this into two segments so if you're here for the racing hey listen to the first hour or so of this show and then you can tune out if you're here for the commentary if you're here because it's march and it's the freaking ncaa tournament the first one that we've had in two years and you want to hear some shtick and you want to hear some interesting like fun race car names that's one of our favorite things we're going to close the show with our annual tradition that we got robbed of in 2020 fu covid right of all the things you did to take that away from us we're going to attach our favorite race car names to the remaining teams in the field in the Sweet 16. So stay tuned for that. But first, DJ North! Big Jed, since we last spoke, there's been some racing going on. We've had Michael Carpenter won, I think, the two richest races of the season to this point, back-to-back. Brad Clark ran himself in a $10,000 final. Aaron Jones ran himself in a $5,000 final. Nick Hastings has appeared in three of the biggest footbrake finals of the young season. Caleb Ellison has appeared in two of the biggest footbrake finals of the young season. I believe they were in one side-by-side. Heath Phillips was in two $30,000 race finals. Ray Miller III won the NHRA Gator Nationals. Anthony Bertozzi was runner-up at the NHRA Gator Nationals. And they both basically cemented early season strangleholds in their respective categories. That alone is a lot to digest, and that's probably not the half of it. Where do we want to start? Well, Luke, obviously nobody's given us anything to talk about, so we've got to make some stuff up this week. And uh, I think maybe... If we can find some standout bottom ball performers, maybe we ought to start there. 
That sounds like a plan. I'll, I would say to this point in the two weeks since we recorded, Jed, if you haven't been in multiple finals, I, I'm not that interested. <laughs> yeah, you know, no time for you. Just don't fit in the show. I mean, it really is crazy how some people have got off to such a fast start and some huge performances early on in the year. You know, if it continues to go like that this year for, for the names that you just mentioned and, and some of the ones we're going to talk about, it's going to be a phenomenal year for them, Luke. Great start by some racers no already. Question. You mentioned that the bottom bulb stuff is obviously close to your heart, Big Jed. I think the biggest story to this point, no surprise, it's Nasty Nick. Yeah, Nasty Nick living up to his name uh, again, as we probably said at nauseum here. Um, he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet off the racetrack, but he is nasty on the track. Um, you know, not real sure what all he's done, but recently he's going to Piedmont to the triple tens that Loose Rocker had. He got a win there in one race and runner up in another, which is an accomplishment in itself. You know, those guys had Luke, I think is in the three thirties on entries. Uh, some of the best there are in the game was there competing. And Nick, once again, rose to the top as he tends to do on a regular basis and then he goes to gulfport to the the uh, footbreak 150 of galen rollison's and gets a runner up there in the 20 grander and i think late round finishes unfortunately for him he was victim to bend over and uh and ben getting the big win there in the 13 second car against him eating the krispy kreme donut going down the track went viral on the internet so uh, Nick, with all of his great accomplishments, probably what he's uh, getting mentioned for the most right now is coming up short to bend over, but still <laughs> a heck of a performance for him early on in a couple of very talented fields of foot breakers at those two events. Okay, don't take this as a as a knock on personality because from away from the racetrack, I don't think Nick, Nick Hastings needs a dose of humility at all. But given on-track results for the last three years, I, I'm good with Nick getting a little dose of humility. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all can use that from time to time. I get more than my share, but even Nick needs some of that. But I'm sure, because I know him fairly well, I'm sure he loved every minute of it. Once, once he settled down from seeing the wind light in his opponent's lane. Yeah, so Nick Hastings, uh, three finals and two weekends at two of the biggest uh, bottom ball races in the country. I don't, to use the, the famous words of one Warren Johnson, I think Nick is trainable. If he keeps working at it, he might get pretty good at this. There's a chance. There's a chance he'll make something of himself in the racing scene one day. Uh, Luke, on top of what Nick's done, you talked about Caleb Ellison. Uh, Caleb goes to the footbreak 150, gets uh, a win in the 3K gambler's race on Friday, runners up the 20K to Hot Rod Fincham. Speaking of videos going viral on uh, on social media, Hot Rod Fincham, you know, showing it live. He, he's recording the run live against Caleb. It was uh, really something cool to watch, his spirit and enthusiasm and the celebration, very respectful yet. Uh, super excited just really cool to watch but Caleb uh, again you know he won the 100 grander at Bristol last year he's obviously uh, the next big thing on our list when we had it uh, a couple of years ago and 
he's just continuing to progress in this sport, if that's even possible. As talented as he is and as all he's accomplished, he's still progressing in the sport and showing every day how talented he is. Uh, another super performance by him. Bonus points for tremendous wheelies, too. <laughs> yeah, he does uh, really huge wheelies. That was caught by Mitchell Reeves on his, uh, on his uh, I guess, GoPro inside his car as he was racing Caleb. So y'all go to Caleb's page, go to Mitchell Reeves' page, wherever you got to go, but watch that video as Caleb is uh, just standing at about uh, probably 80 degrees in the air, just nearly straight up beside Mitchell Reeves as they're going down the track. That was really, really cool video to watch uh meanwhile uh, again we'll stick to the to the bottom ball uh for this for this juncture in the show i think it was the week prior to Gulfport. so on top of the loose rocker race at piedmont was the c pre promotions um triple 20s at uh, the texas motorplex which on the top bulb turned into went from triple 20s to 230s i believe one day got uh rained out the other two got combined the story there again on the bottom bulb one aaron jones win and runner-up in the same event, $5,000 race to win. That doesn't happen every day. Uh, just one in a string of stellar performances over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, Aaron, very capable of pulling off uh, feats like that on a regular basis. He's a very talented young foot brake racer out of Texas, and uh, he's performed really well at the Southern Foot Brake Challenge in years past when we were having that event. He's uh, always shown out well in uh, in Texas, and you know, running yourself in a 5K final out there, again, is a very impressive accomplishment because it's, a, it's again, a talented group of racers that attend those events out there in Texas. A lot of great bottom bulbers and Aaron rising to the top with the win and runner-up in a 5K super, super performance. I guess while we're on the subject of bottom ball racing, uh, I think it, we'd be remiss if we didn't at least discuss the uh, – Southern Sportsman Stock Super Stock Showdown at South Georgia Motorsports Park. I didn't catch a lot of the live feed from South Georgia, Jed, but it seems like in retrospect, just glowing praise from seemingly everyone involved. It seems like that event was a huge hit. Uh, the promoters, obviously, Bo Butner, Jason Line, Dave Connolly, and friends, uh, sounded like it. they put on one heck of a show. It was really uh, appreciated by the racers. It sounds like everybody had a great time. And again, uh, shortened slightly by weather, but it looks as though the on-track action was incredible. It was a lot of fun to watch, you know, South Georgia down there near sea level, which any race car likes, but uh, stockers, super stockers love that kind of weather. There was huge wheel stands. There was heads up runs with all star performances within them and a lot of great racing. they separated stock and super stock in their main event races. And, um, you know, my cousin Ricky, shout out to him. He, he got to the first 20 grander. He got to the final in both stock and super stock and the, the Mustang that he drives in stock and the four speed Malibu that he drives in super stock got to the final and both come up a little short there, but standout performances by some, uh, some common winners, uh, Joe Santangelo. What else can we say about Joe? A super talented guy goes down there and gets it done uh, on the big stage. Aaron Allison, uh, both of those, well, Joe won a 40, so they did combine Sunday and Saturday and ran it Saturday because of impending weather, and uh, that was a 40-grander, so Joe won that one. 
I think he beat Michael Brand in the final. Uh, Aaron Allison got the win in the first 20 grander. Great performance by Aaron coming down from the the uh, Midwest and then uh, Joel Warren Luke, wins the 50 grand shootout. You know, you don't ever think of a racer having the potential to win $50,000 in a class car like that uh, while running other class cars. So uh, again, hats off to the promoters, as you mentioned, uh, you know, Dave and, and Bo and uh, those guys uh, put on a who, who was the other one I forgot why is it why has it escaped me so fast Jason Line Jason Line yeah of course Jason Line so uh, hats off to those guys really cool format I think it went well Luke I believe they had somewhere in the neighborhood of 180 cars on the grounds nice. between the two categories and it looked like it was nearly split down the middle so that that worked out well uh, for the format to get them down to one each. So, Really good job by everybody involved, and again, everything I've seen online, and, and certainly from Ricky, having been there, uh, it was a, a well-done event, and looking forward to, to doing some more of that stuff, and I think that's just uh, that, and what Tyler Bohannon and Brian Whitworth are doing at St. Louis, I, I think those type of events could end up taking over for these guys, for this for these class cars, and I'm excited for them. It's, uh, you know, it's a big investment to be able to compete in those cars and they should run should have an opportunity at times i should say to run for that kind of money so it's uh it's really cool to see and looking forward to seeing more of it i'd agree i i think this is probably long overdue particularly to do it the way that it's apparent that that Bo and jason and and davy have done it um i don't think particularly for that style of competition that i i should you never say never but it's hard for me to picture anything trumping NHRA just because of the prestige and the history, uh, particularly uh, of stock and super stock within the sanctioning body. But to your point, I do feel like uh, a sprinkling in of races like these is long overdue uh, for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, the most obvious is there is no telling the true investment that most of these racers have in their stock and super stock cars. Like those are not... um, inexpensive classes to run right at any level much less at the highest level so to see purses begin to get a little bit more commensurate with the investment i think makes a ton of sense and then you just add to that that it's just nice i don't care what class you run what style of competition you have um it's it's rare and it is nice to be the show to be the only thing going on and to be treated as the show. Like the, this event was strictly for stock and super stock. Yes, it paid a boatload of money, but I think part of the fun of it was knowing that, hey, we're the reason this race is happening. It, no different than say the, the World Footbreak Challenge. Like that's sort of the premise that that was built upon. It was a, it was a showcase for the footbreak racer. This in a lot of ways is a specific showcase for the stock super stock racer. No doubt. Well said. And, you know, a, a hats off to the racers that showed up because, I mean, let's be honest, that was taking somewhat of a, a, a serious gamble to put that kind of money on the line and that kind of format where they haven't really seen much of that ever. And certainly at the money level, they had not seen that. So, you know, it's it's easy for somebody that's used to doing class racing a certain way to sit back and pick that format apart and try to find something wrong with it. Yet 
that didn't happen. It was attended at a very high level. So hats off to you, stalkers, super stalker guys. Uh, that was a, that was huge of you to show up like you did, and you you certainly helped cement the you know future opportunities for your for your compadres within those categories. And you should uh, should be really be proud of what you helped create down there. Jed, as you mentioned, just a week away, essentially the the Midwest follow up event. Uh, that, uh, that Tyler Bohannon and Brian Whitworth are putting on comes to the racetrack formerly known as Gateway. That's Worldwide Technology Raceway near St. Louis uh, this coming up weekend. Uh, similar format, similar event. Um, so anxious to uh, to see the results, the feedback from that as well. Jed, let's transition uh, into the top ball bracket ranks. And to this point in the season, the 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 plan coming into uh, this weekend's podcast was that we were going to recap the Galat 300 Grander. That one got pushed back to later in the year. Uh, the weather forecast looked awful, and I think we're going to try that again in August, I believe. Oh, you know, I believe it is August, Luke. Okay, later, in a, f- a few months down the road. So to this point in the young season, I think it's fair to say that the richest and perhaps most prestigious event to this point the SFG race in Bradenton, and there's really, uh, I was going to say there's only one story to come from SFG in Bradenton. Marie Muller did win the 25 grander uh, on the opening night, which I believe was a Friday night. Big win. Uh, obviously, Marie, super talented racer, young racer from uh, the west coast of Florida. No surprise to see her in the winner's circle. Always nice to see uh, another young female um, collect a big check because, as we've talked about before, that's rarer than I think we typically uh, realize within, within the sport. So good good on Marie. Um, but from there on, like that completely got overshadowed. The story of the weekend, and I would say the story of the season to this point, young Michael Carpenter. Yeah, Luke, uh, you know, obviously winning a 50 is huge. And I, I'm not sure. I've never won a 50 grander, so I don't know how you approach things the next day if you just don't give a crap because you just got paid big and you won something huge and you know how difficult that is. So the odds of you doing it again are not very good. So do you approach the next day with a, with the same mentality or do you just set up real aggressive because I really don't, you know, it's not a big deal if I don't win because I just won. And couldn't tell you, Jed, never done it. Whatever, whatever that mentality is, Michael Carpenter used it. To his, advantage, to his advantage with a back-to-back 50K wins. Again, a talented field, which there, I keep saying that, which is silly on my part because I don't know if there's a field of racers anymore that isn't just full of talent. But this obviously was a big event. It brought a lot of talent, a lot of big names to it. And Michael Carpenter emerges the, the victor back-to-back in 50Ks. I mean, this guy's season is completely made. He's good for the rest of the season in two days of racing. Um, just unbelievable performance by him. Young man, I think, come out of the junior dragster ranks. And, you know, that talent from junior dragster doesn't always translate on the big scale. But obviously it does for Michael Carpenter and uh, just really set himself up to have an amazing season with, uh, with a lot of wind lights at the SFG event. Yeah, I mean, you could look at that one of two ways, like set himself up perhaps for an amazing career and at the same time set the bar ridiculously high. I mean, that is a yeah. that is a lifetime weekend, right? And he's, what, 18? Yeah. 
just absolutely incredible. And I'll be completely transparent, Jed. Like the name Michael Carpenter meant nothing to me prior to the SFG event. And I felt bad about that. And I thought, you know, this kid races in, in South Florida. Like I, I, it feels like yesterday that I spent a lot of time racing in South Florida. And then I realized like I haven't been to a race in Florida in six, seven years. And at that time, Michael Carpenter was what, 10? Yeah, he's playing wiffle ball in the pit. I, I should not know who he is. <laughs> he's the kid that threw the football out in front of you coming up to the camera. <laughs> so now he's throwing a throwing a lot more than footballs to the yes, other lane. Yes. No doubt. Impressive, impressive stuff from anyone, uh, much less uh, a, a young racer of that ilk and that age. Just and from what I saw, like did not back into this by any stretch of the imagination, made nasty runs throughout, yeah. as obviously you have to. I mean, we're talking essentially, I would imagine he was double entered. There may have been a buyback. So it's not maybe 20 consecutive round wins, but to amass 20 plus round wins against that level of competition with that those kind of stakes is absolutely incredible yeah i couldn't agree more very impressive performance all right as we keep on the trend of just incredible performances early here in the 2021 season uh the next one on the list we'll do it a huntsville dragway where one brad clark also advanced to uh two final rounds just happened to be the same final round it's brad clark versus brad clark all clark all the time ten thousand dollars to win i don't know what runner-up paid brad got them both yeah, Brad running himself in the final of a 10K at Huntsville. Uh, had uh, had to beat Alan Wickle at three and had to buy with the other entry, obviously, and uh, got by Wickle to secure the win and runner-up position in a 10K. Again, uh, you know, not the not the kind of money that, that we talk about here as, as in terms of huge wins, but a 10K is a great win and is certainly even more gooder when – you're running yourself in the final loop. That was a huge day for bad Brad Clark out of uh, central Mississippi. Always more gooder. And I would say Brad Clark, in addition to having a reputation as a fantastic racer, I would say second to that is a reputation as a non-splitter. And he didn't have to worry about that. Yeah, no, he definitely did not have to have any split talks. Uh, you know, and Wickle. Uh, Wickle's done well for himself, so I doubt there was any kind of discussion at all late. I guess uh, they probably wasn't going to talk in the final either if Wickle got the win light, but fortunately for Brad, he eliminated that uh, discussion by getting a win light at three and running himself in the final. So let's think about how that, there for bad Brad. Let's think about how that conversation may have gone. Brad Clark pulls into the lanes for the final round. You know, Brad, you want to split? I don't know, Brad, you want to split? Ah! <laughs> Let's just run for all of it. <laughs> yeah, I would like to have that conversation with Big Jed myself. Another driver that advanced to two finals, this time not in the same day, but on back-to-back days. One Heath Phillips, if that name sounds familiar. Uh, I've known Heath most of my life. He's actually Tommy Phillips' cousin, uh, probably lesser-known uh, cousin, at least in drag racing circles. Heath Phillips, bad dude behind the wheel himself, and uh, proved it at the Texas Two-Step or the, the Texas Twin 20s, I believe, the CP Promotions race at the Texas Motorplex, which, as we mentioned earlier, uh, turned into two $30,000 to win races on the top. Heath Phillips won the first 30 grander over one Corey Galetti, and then advanced to the final again in the 30 grander the next day before losing to Austin Williams. So pretty impressive weekend from Heath Phillips. Austin Williams, oh, by the way, that's a big dollar bracket win for A-Dub. 
that we don't see very often. I think Austin most recognized for his exploits in the NHRA competition, Stock Eliminator, Super Comp, more recently Super Gas, obviously a two-time national champion, has been doing a little bit more bracket racing recently, and uh, this is definitely his biggest success on, on, the, uh, on the big dollar stage, collecting a $30,000 win with his dragster that came, I think, two or three weeks on the heels of a Super Gas victory uh, in Buddy Woods Roadster, so pretty impressive start to the season for Austin Williams as well. Yeah, very impressed by both of those. Luke uh, Heath Phillips, I mean, that's a that's a huge weekend. You know, we talked about Michael Carpenter getting back-to-back 50Ks, but a guy uh, wins a 30K and then runners up a 30K the next day, that's, you know, that sets your season up pretty nicely, too. So Heath, with a great start to his year and falling short to A-Dub, there's, there's no shame in that game at all. And really cool to see Austin out on the bracket saying, I know he does some bracket racing, but think uh, most of his uh, time and attention is obviously dedicated to the NHRA side of things and and obvious for obvious reasons he's done extremely well but you know the super gas win in Bellrose getting by you and then getting a 30k win great start by Austin as well uh, both of those guys should be super proud of their performance Will Holloman picked up the opening day win at the 10G at BG event. And again, this is mid-March. That's Will's second $10,000 victory of the young season. Uh, he picked up the main event win, I believe, on the final day of the CP Promotions event down in Baton Rouge. So another strong start to the season for one Will Holloman. Um, Jed, a, a little bit, uh, I guess, less, uh, certainly less prestige and a little bit less money, but I thought it was also worth mentioning the season, the way that Gage Birch has started this season. I think we talked about Gage following the New Year's race at West Palm, where he traditionally had success, did so again this season. At the SFG race that we talked about earlier, Gage put on a show. He just didn't get a ton of recognition for it. In the initial 25 grander that was won by Marie Mueller, uh, Gage made it to the semifinal round or the, the final of the door car side. He backed that performance up the very next day by advancing to the semifinals in the first $50,000 rain event that Michael Carpenter won, not to be confused with the second $50,000 event that Michael Carpenter also won. Um, And then if that wasn't enough, Gage came back a couple weeks later. This would be last weekend as we're recording. And... um, I think just basically in, in local competition, but nonetheless impressive, makes a trip over to West Palm, uh, hops in John Siegel's wagon, runner up in the wagon in the top bulb category, wins uh, the bottom bulb category in his familiar Mustang, drives what I'm going to assume is basically all night because they said that the winter circle pictures were late at West Palm. And West Palm to Bradenton, if I remember right, that's like three or four hours. Makes his way back home to Bradenton to run it in the, I think it's the NMC event, NMCA event on Sunday. And oh, by the way, wins the bracket class to that as well. So Gage Birch probably not undefeated, obviously not undefeated in 2021, but the round win record is looking pretty impressive. Yeah, Gage has been doing this since January, basically. I mean, as soon as they started racing, he was going to the winter circle down there. He's had a phenomenal year already. Really just kind of sick of seeing Gage's pictures about winning. And, you know, he's a good-looking guy, and he races really good, and he's just kind of humble and don't say a whole lot. So I'm just kind of sick of Gage right now. Um, I certainly respect his ability and talent and good looks and everything else he's got going for him, but just really tired of seeing Gage win. So maybe somebody else step up down there and 
just you know knock him off the the throne just a little bit obviously can, i'm kidding but can we send can we send ben dover down there chase gage around for a while <laughs> send ben with a he'll, he'll need a uh a dozen Krispy creams. Did you see the video? Tell me you saw Ben's video. No, I, I have to check it out now. I, I, I am. Oh my I, gosh. I feel remiss to say that I have missed it. For a guy that that's Twitterized like you are, your the rest of your social media game is is struggling. You you really got to go check out Ben Dover and uh, watch that video because it is it's freaking awesome. I don't think Ben's got anything for Gage. I think Ben got by with one against uh, against Nasty Nick. So probably not sending Ben after after Gage but nonetheless all kidding aside uh, what else can you say about Gage Birch I mean we've really talked about him like about every class and everything you can possibly do and he just continues to get it done you know he, some people get lucky and some people just get all the breaks I mean this kid is just super talented and makes good things happen for himself on the racetrack really happy for him he's uh, he deserves it he's worked hard at it and um, you know, really looking forward to seeing what he continues to accomplish in this sport. He will go down as one of the best we've ever seen. Yeah, I, I do not doubt that for a minute. I think if the, uh, if the passion, the enthusiasm that he shows now continues for the next decade, two decades, that, there's no question in my mind. I, I think you're right on target. Um, a couple other quick hitters from the top bulb ranks, Jed. Uh, it wasn't a double up. It wasn't multiple finals, but I do think it's worth mentioning. Friend of the podcast. Can we claim a podcast bump? I mean, we had him on right after the million. I don't think he's won right. since. Absolutely. Podcast bump for KB. Kevin Brannon, $20,000 winner at uh, Carolina Dragway. That's probably not even worth noting, as bad as that is to say. Like, we just expect KB to win 20s and, what it, when, and anything else. But this one was extra special. He did it in the door car, did it in his Monza. That's his mother's Monza that uh, his mother passed away. I guess it's been six, seven years ago to this point. Uh, he completely redid it. Um, made it into what it should be, and I believe this was the first win back. Uh, it's been back out for a couple of years now, but this is the first win, and it was a big one, so I know that was special for KB and his family. Yeah, really happy to see KB win in any class, in any car. He's just a, a guy you like to see do well because he's just so lovable. But obviously to do it in his mom's mind's a, a serious transformation on the car a couple of years ago. Took it from, you know, just a Monza, uh, an old bracket Monza to, you know, a new age with a new technology, new age type car with new technology and a great look and all the best parts. And it's a, it's a really super piece and, you know, certainly proud to see KB get a big win in it. Uh, you know, any wins big, he just likes to race, but that 20 K win, I'm sure always helps a guy that is going to, do quite a bit of traveling and all that. So, and, and obviously getting it at Carolina Dragway, you know, somewhere fairly close to home, all those things probably add up to make it just a little bit extra special for KB. Just a Monza. I mean, we're going to get into, to the greatest race car names in the history of our sport a little bit later in the show. And I don't think that's one that I've ever heard, but that should be plastered down the side of someone's car somewhere. Just a Monza. You know, I, I like, so Caterpillar World, everything's got acronyms. So that would just be jam. I just, I just put jam. <laughs> I put jam on the car and said like, what, why did you put jam? It's just a Monza. 
I like you know, it. Like, I, I, these things just click for me. I don't know what <laughs> happens, but I do. This is no time to be talking about it. This is a long show. We don't want to drag the listener out. and I don't want to drag us out, but I did give, I did give Sean Langdon the best slogan for a, a, a race car or for a company that could be given. And I thought surely he was going to put this on his car. You know, DHL is his sponsor. So I told him he ought to get a sticker, just a small one, put it on the car that says ship happens. I mean, that's what DHL does. They ship stuff. Ship happens. Ship happens. I mean, that's a great, just a quick, nice, easy slogan. These things just click for me. I don't know what happens. I mean, really well, how does the saying, like, I don't, I don't want to take any credit from you, Jed, but I feel like you should just be on here going, ask me how I do it. Ask me how I do it. How do I do it? I don't know how I do it. I just do it, okay? <laughs> I mean, you come up with something. I really don't. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> One, one other one other quick hitter from the top ball ranks um jason barnes five thousand dollar race winner at uh, at beach bend the week prior to the 10 g's at bg and then uh basically the next time that they sent cars down the track was the first day the first 10 grander of the 10 g at bg where jason barnes truck driven this time by joseph hodges once again advanced to the final before falling to will holloman i just thought that that was a neat uh tidbit of information uh 640 uh, unassuming s10 truck back-to-back big dollar finals with two separate drivers so thought it was worth noting uh before we move into the nhra side of the show uh, not a ton going on nhra race and i think we mentioned this in the last episode had a couple of races there back-to-back in March, and there's essentially nothing on the NHRA calendar for the better part of a month. We really kick things back off again in mid-April. But since we last recorded, Jed, uh, we completed the first national event of the season, the NHRA Gator Nationals, as well as the first um, West Coast event on the divisional side, the Division 7 opener in Las Vegas. A couple of standout performances uh, from each. Uh, First and foremost, Vegas, division race. Uh, No surprise, Brian McClanahan, former NHRA world champion, winner in Superstock. Brian McClanahan, uh, former NHRA world champion, also Ryan's father, runner-up in Stock Eliminator. Pretty good start to the season for the McClanahans. Yeah, no no surprise there. Again, you you list some of the accomplishments, but uh, talented family and uh, certainly off to a great start in their own right. And, you know, Ryan... Uh, if makes a serious run at it, obviously it will be a, a factor in the, the championship decision when it's all said and done. So great job, McClanahan's. Over on the other side of the country at the Gator Nationals, uh, some dude named Ray Miller III, they call him Ray Ray? <laughs> I don't know. Um, wins Super Comp at the Gator Nationals. Second consecutive Gator Nationals win for Ray Ray. I mean, second only to probably Indy. The Gators is a big deal, particularly to, to racers in that region, but I think anywhere. Like, it's a, it's it's Indy, and then it's Gainesville and Pomona. Maybe Joliet, when Joliet was a thing, right? Um, there's just a few races, like, those are kind of the majors, right? So, to win the Gators is a, is a crowning achievement. To do it back-to-back, that's in rare, rare air. Ray Ray did just that. The win in Supercomp um, caps off a three-race run to open his season. That um, that was the first win, but he basically got as close as you could get to winning all three without winning all three. 
He opened the season with a runner-up at the divisional event in Orlando. He backed that up with a semifinal finish at the Baby Gators and then wins the Gator Nationals. So his his average through three events, pretty strong for somebody that has obviously got championship experience, not only as a former national champion, but he's been number two, number three, number four, a bunch. Like he just, he knows what this is all about going down the stretch. And you spot someone like that, uh, three races like this to start the season and I'm not claiming I'm not I'm not ready to put the crown on his head in March but he's obviously going to be the racer that you're going to have to go through if you want to win the 2021 Super Comp World Championship you might not be putting a crown on him but it wouldn't hurt to know his size Luke because uh it, it, he's got obviously a real good chance anytime he's in the mix he's got a real good chance of of winning it I mean Ray Ray and them what else can you say? I mean, the, the kid has got a lot of talent. He's engaged. He's got a baby on the way. He's winning Gator Nationals like, you know, it's no big deal. I mean, it's unbelievable. Ray Ray's on top of the world right now. And probably in the entire country, uh, he probably has an average of the least words said at an event per win light of anybody in racing. I mean, Ray Ray just don't talk. He don't talk to nobody. He just goes out and wins. So maybe I just need to be more like that. I would say Ray Ray lets the time slip do the talking. <clears throat> no question. Um, <laughs> similarly to Ray Ray, another racer that uh, is no stranger to championships and the championship chase actually comes into 2021 as a, a reigning or defending, if you will, champion in NHRA Top Dragster. <clears throat> and similar to Ray Ray is off to a phenomenal start. Anthony Bertozzi did not win the Gator Nationals. Uh, he fell in the final of Top Dragster to uh, a, another little-known racer by the name of Jeff Strickland. I don't know if that name rings any bells for you either, Jed. Roll Tide. <laughs> AV, runner-up in top drag extra. That caps, caps uh, the same three-race run that we just talked about with Ray Ray. Uh, Anthony began the season with the top drag extra win at Orlando. He fell in the quarterfinals. Really bad outing um, for him at the Baby Gators Divisional. And then is runner-up in top dragster at the actual gator nationals so uh, another strong start to the season and similar to ray ray like um, not ready to to necessarily crown anthony just yet but uh, i think he's probably the odds on favorite coming into the season as the reigning champ he might be the odds on favorite coming into any season he's done this 17 times now i think that's 17 i think that's an accurate count uh looking pretty good for 18 uh here at the early stages of the season yeah, Bertozzi, I mean, obviously, again, another one that just continues to get it done. I, I hear fatigue in your voice. You're like, yeah, well, I mean, like, I'm sick of talking about Antoine, too. <laughs> I mean, I know we don't listen to the podcast, but I mean, what would you say? Good job, dog. I mean, Twan just has done it for decades. I mean, just really tired of talking about him. He's just you, such a winner and just a good-looking guy and got everything going for him. I mean, he's everything I'm not, and that makes me angry, Luke. It does seem unfair. Yeah, it does. You know, I'm really, really proud of Antoine. Another unbelievable performance by him, and he's setting himself up to make another run. You brought up a point that I don't don't think has ever crossed my mind before, Jed. Occasionally, I'll be approached at the racetrack by someone that tells me how much they enjoy listening to the show, and I just cannot picture them listening to the show. I'm like, wow. (laughs) Can you think of anyone that would surprise you more? Then Anthony Bertozzi coming up to you, man, I appreciate the kind words on the podcast, dog. 
Like, I cannot see that. <laughs> no, no, no. I could picture him saying, they said, you said you was on some kind of podcast, dog. <laughs> what, what's a podcast? <laughs> what'd I mean, that do? <laughs> yeah, Anthony Bertozzi couldn't care less. I mean, he's, he's trying to get his wind lights, get his trophy, get his picture, and get back on a big old boat somewhere in the water having a good time. I mean, it, this guy's living the life. Oh, uh, my man Cooter got a win at the Gators. Stock Eliminator win. Uh, wanted to mention Cooter. That's Jimmy Hidalgo Jr. He had a good trip to Florida as well. Uh, semifinal finish in Super Stock at the Divisional. Followed that up with a Stock Eliminator triumph at the Gator Nationals. Uh, another racer that made two deep runs. Uh, on the trip to Gainesville, competition eliminator, one Richard Prezer, uh, Division One runner, was runner-up to Pete Diagnolo at the Divisional, and then runner-up yet again, uh, this time to Greg Camplain at the National event. And I, I know we don't talk much about comp, Jed, but holy comp at Gainesville. I mean, I know it's Gainesville, it's early in the year, it's fast down there, it's sea level, it's everything that you said about South Georgia, um, probably uh, squared, right? But comp at Gainesville the top 21 Jed 21 to 1 21 qualifiers 60 plus under just yeah. brutal field and I know all of our listeners won't understand exactly what that means Luke but it means it was you know, fast that, that's kind of their number you know that that 60s where they like to dance around and these guys read the weather and, and make their car pretty much run whatever they want to while trying to protect their index. Uh, for 21 of them to qualify at 60 plus under, it just tells you it was freaking fast. And obviously some great equipment there as well. A, a comp car that can go 60 under has pretty good stuff in it. It ain't running 87 octane, okay? So those guys uh, have great equipment and, and a lot of quality in the, the field at any comp race, but that right there, Luke, is about as impressive as it gets. And you would assume, looking at that qualifying sheet, not only the, the names on it, but obviously the, the, the speeds and the ETs being run, and that that event then would just be a bloodbath of CIC hits, permanent index hits. It's one that, you know, a, a racer like David Rampey of years past would tell you like, hey, there's some comp races that aren't worth winning, right? That would be one that you would assume that to win that race, you'd have to take a lot of permanent index that would obviously hamper your ability to, to win later in the season. As I mentioned earlier, Greg Campaign won this event. Greg Campaign qualified seventh at 69 under the index won the event without taking any permanent index never had to go more than 59 under the original index i thought that was an interesting note for as as strong a field as that looked and obviously as strong a field as it was it was not at least the way that greg campaign came through the ladder which is a testament not only to his skill but obviously a little bit of element of being in the right place at the right time he advances through that um, unbelievable field and has no permanent index harm going forward. Heck of a win for Greg Campaign. Like, that's the way that you draw that up in Comp Eliminator. Yeah, Luke, I would, in my simple mind, it would be impossible to win an event in Comp where 21 qualifiers were 60-plus under. You win the race and not take some CIC hit. Um, so I hadn't seen the box score, but I would guess it's littered with a red light here or there by an opponent. Uh, maybe uh, a bad light here or there by an opponent, or maybe someone broke, couldn't make the call or whatever. But I would say there had to been a couple of breaks in there. And, you know, 
Campaign probably hit the tree really well and gave himself a little extra space at the finish line to protect some of that index. So I would say that one went about as well as it could go for him. No question. On our last episode, Jed, I sung the praises of one Derek Brown. Derek Brown is steadily moving up the hierarchy of coolest guys in the pits, at least in my book. You know how big a fan I am of Lester Johnson, not just for the way that he goes about winning top sportsmen, but for the way that he goes about running top sportsmen. As we've talked about before, I am a big fan of class minimum Lester. Well, class minimum Lester, guess where he qualified at Gainesville? Where, Luke? Number two. Oh. Which is rare air. The man that qualified number one was another Pro Charger equipped, way too fast top sportsman door car driven by one Derek Brown, hot on the heels of his win at Orlando. Derek Brown on the pole, 615 in qualifying to Lester's 620. Just for perspective, number three, three tenths behind those two, 650. Okay. That's, and that's what we would call a fast top sportsman car. Yeah. And what we call <laughs> Lester and Derek Brown is somewhere on the verge of insane. But they just keep going down the racetrack. Derek Brown not only qualifies on the pole, not only leaves it wicked up, dial 620-something every round, and advances to the final. Lester, I love you. This is a threat, man. Like, I'm t- <laughs> there's a hierarchy here. It would take a lot to knock Lester off. Derek Brown is knocking on the door. Well, Derek not Brown- only that, Luke on the racetrack but just from the what i'm hearing in your voice i mean it all it kind of feels like derek is working his way to a higher spot in your fave five and bumping lester down i mean i feels like you got a little crush here i've got a i I was gonna call it reverence but if you want to call man crush like i'm telling you you strap in something put 6.1 whatever on the window (laughs) rip the throttle a couple of times like the wind light i i i I get excited, you know. I mean, like I, I, I don't know that I would say that it turns me on, Jed, but I like it. I'm a, I'm a fan. <laughs> yeah, no offense to our our female listeners, but that's racing like a man right there. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> so kudos to Derek Brown. I should also mention Derek was runner up at the Gator Nationals to Brandon Miller, uh, which was one of the quote unquote slower cars in the field. Yeah. I've never strapped into a door car and dialed seven O's, so I'm not calling Brendan Miller's car slow. But in comparison, like just the, the cool meter is not pegged the way that it is with Derek Brown, but it was Brandon Miller that got the win at Gainesville. Um, before we move to the, the Spring Fling Million Jet, and we'll preview that at least briefly, a couple of other notes from the Vegas Divisional event that obviously preceded the Spring Fling Million. Um, Val Torres Sr., winner in Supercomp. I think at this point he's just trying to keep pace with Valtorius Jr., who we talked about a couple episodes ago, has just been on a tear uh, out west to start the season. Val Sr., familiar name, uh, getting the win in Super Comp. And in the other, um, or I guess one of the other two superclasses in the 990 category, Mike Boehner, winner yet again in Supergas at Vegas. And this just uh, continues a red-hot streak that Boehner started late in 2020 and just rolls right over into 2021. He closed last season with a divisional win in Phoenix and followed shortly after by what I believe was his first national event win at Las Vegas. And he just keeps winning here in 2021, opens the season with the Division 7 Lucas Oil Series 
win at the Division 7 Lucas Oil Series opener in Las Vegas. Yeah, great job by the West Coasters there. Anybody named Torres is, is getting wind lights and hard to handle. And then my boy Boner just getting it done, keeping that hot streak alive. And uh, I'd love to see him make a serious run at the championship. What a great guy. Just super nice. Just really enjoying life. Humble man out here doing his thing on the NHRA tour. Really excited to see him get off to a red hot start. I mentioned Spring Fling Million. As we record this, Jed, we are, it's Thursday night, uh, so they are in the middle of $30,000 event number two of the weekend. We're uh, a day away from the Spring Fling Million, so by the time that you listen to this, the million will either be in motion or perhaps finished. So a lot of what we say here in the next five minutes are probably going to be uh, outdated, if not obsolete, very, very soon. At the same time, we want to give a little bit of credence to the winners to this point and the star performances to this point at the Spring Fling Million. And I guess we will go ahead and make our typical bold predictions for the main event. Jed, first and foremost, um, I think there was a lot of speculation about how well attended this year's version of the Spring Fling Million would be. I think for a, a number of reasons that seemed valid, uh, most assumed that this might be the, the smallest Spring Fling Million to date in terms of car count. That does not appear to be the case. Uh, nearly 430 cars entered uh, in Wednesday's first event, which I think is on par, if not a little bit bigger than years past. Yeah, Luke, I think it's right along the same car count that they've experienced for a few years out there. You know, with Canada, Canada has a major impact on this event. The Canadian racers travel down in large numbers. They're not able to do that. And I imagine there's some other restrictions for some racers that could attend this event uh, schedule-wise and, and finance-wise. So 429, given the circumstances... It, to me is incredible uh, just another great job by peter and kyle promoting the event and certainly you know at a premier facility out there it's just a heck of an experience uh, i've had few friends talking about wishing they could be out there and ask me do i miss it you know you miss not being able i don't miss the trip and i don't miss using up my vacation time but i certainly miss the race in action uh, this the, the whole atmosphere out there is incredible as you know and yeah, that's something that you, you want to be a part of. So hate to miss it, but certainly enjoying watching it online and a great crowd for Peter and Kyle. Thank you to everybody that's attending this event, um, you know, keeping it alive and keeping it going strong. It's a, it's a great one for sure. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Jed. This uh, this is the first Spring Fling Million uh, Vegas. Well, I, I think it's the first Spring Fling Million period that uh, that I haven't attended in person. Uh, my reasons for that are multiple and have nothing to do with the event itself. I love that race. I love that facility. Um, so yeah, like uh, I've actually been purposely steering away from watching some of the uh, the online just because I fear that it will give me withdrawals. Right? Uh, there's definitely a part of me that would like to be there as well, and and super happy to see the turnout and uh and of course the the level of competition and the ones being thrown down no surprise at all on track to this point uh action started tuesday evening with uh, the typical the annual uh, american drag american race cars dragster race in which it was a couple of east coasters big jed making their way out there and uh and, and causing problems for the left coast 
Yeah, so, you know, Corey Galitti and Gary Williams face off in the final. And, um, you know, Galitti, as you talked about, started his season well with a runner up in the 30K to Heath Phillips. He gets the win over G-Dub in the dragster shootout. And, Luke, I don't, you know, I'm not a dragster guy. So I don't say this about just any dragster. That was a beautiful piece painted by Todd's Extreme, the great folks at American Race Cars, uh, you know, uh, Travis Colangelo and, and the team put that hot rod together. It's rolling, but it looked like it was just ready for an engine transmission. Wow, what a beautiful ride that Corey collected. And you talked about the East Coasters. I guess since he's west of the Mississippi, would he qualify to to get one for the West Coast, or, or are we still going to call him East? Well, I mean, if you're going to say that that's one for the West Coast, then there's been a West Coast winner of the Spring Fling Million in Pete's Pennington, and I don't think anybody believes that. Yeah, I agree. Good call. East Coasters dominating. <laughs> East Coast, there would be no such thing as East Coast bias in this show, but yeah, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll get into predictions later. I don't. Is there anyone from Alabama there? Who can you pick? Well, there's Brandon Taylor. There you go. Uh, he is there. As far as I know, he's the only Alabamian in the house. Okay. So. Well, I didn't mean to spoil the surprise, but there's no telling where uh, where your prediction will go. <laughs> well, well, you know, I, I try to, I mean, I need better odds than just one guy. So I'm probably going to step out just a little bit on my prediction on who's going to win that. Okay. Okay. Before we get to that, we do have, as we record, uh, one uh, one other race or the first main event in the books and uh this one went to the bottom bulb crowd big jed andy small thirty thousand dollar winner on wednesday over randy lynn ship small um you can probably speak more to this than i jed uh i would say for there was there was a time there where it seemed like justin lamb kind of reigned over the the bottom bulb crowd at the spring fling million but i would say for the last three four years that Andy Schmall has been the standout performer from the, the Pro 32, the Pro 48, the, the bottom bulb field, and has made deep, deep runs into the main events on several occasions. This is the first time he got to wear the jacket and hold the cool trophy at the end, um, but this just is kind of a continued trend of dominance at that facility and this race for Andy Schmall. Very well said, Luke. Andy is so good and has performed so well out there that it it's become a surprise when he doesn't put himself into the semis or a final round so that's the kind of uh, performances he's had the last several years again finally finishing it off knocking the door down standing there as the last racer standing getting by randy lynn ship hats off to randy lynn by the way man she drove very very well last night in that race and and come up a little short to andy i think andy was 19 total in the final didn't leave her a little, didn't leave her enough room, but um, Andy hitting the bottom, getting it done, just so impressive, Luke, getting through the bottom bulb field, which is talented out there, and then getting through the last few rounds of the top bulb, but it's like, I don't know, he's so good that it, I almost expect, I almost don't even care that he's hitting the bottom, I just kind of expect him to, to get this done somehow, I mean, he's just that good, so... Andy, another great performance, and really happy to see him hold the trophy last night. Yeah, and we mentioned her briefly, but shouts to Randy Lynn as well. 
takes off the the promoter hat from the week before. We just talked about the the Southern Stock Super Stock Showdown that she was obviously a big part of. Puts the helmet back on and uh, just put on a show there Wednesday night, advancing all the way to the final, which included back-to-back round wins over uh, one Gary Williams. That doesn't happen very often, right? Pretty impressive performance from Randy Lynn. No, great job by those racers, and again, proud to see Andy finally. You know, he gets a lot of recognition for his wind lights uh, everywhere he goes, but finally, happy to see him finally get that that big one on that stage. I know that's something he's fought for a very, very long time. So, Luke, now we're down to now we're down to our pick for the million. And I got I, I, I want to do this a little different this time. Okay. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. So. Two bold predictions, sure to go wrong. I want to hear not only the winner of the Spring Fling Million, the 2021 version of the Spring Fling Million, I also want a bold prediction for um, for a racer that maybe hasn't um, been deep in the million before to make a notable run. Maybe it's the bottom, one of the bottom ball guys or gals. Uh, just or a, a local racer, whatever the case may be, to at least make the split. Someone that you think is going to make noise. To okay, so uh, let's go bold prediction first. Um, I, and you know, I, he's been deep in some races. He's a West Coaster, but man, he's been putting down some good laps out there this weekend. So, and not that it's a surprise by any means, but I'm expecting Shane Thompson. To put himself in the mix somewhere uh, Shane uh, has I think progressively gotten better and better and better every time I've seen him race just seems to get a better grasp on it a better performance each time out so I'm expecting Shane Thompson to make some noise get himself in the middle of this thing in the split or even deeper and then for the winner I'm going to pick a guy that you would think probably should have won one by now because he's that good. It just hasn't worked out for him. Something just tells me it's going to click for him tomorrow, and A.J. Ash is going to get the million-dollar win tomorrow in the door car. Alvin J. is in the house. See, I've watched very little of the live feed, so I don't feel like I'm prepared. I don't necessarily know who's there. As a res- A.J., obviously, if he's in attendance, that's a threat to win anywhere. Um I don't know where I want to go with this because it seems like every year that we do this, I say, this is the year, Jed. Somebody west of the Rockies is going to win the million, and I pick a, a race kid or a Chris Whitfield or a David Meyer or a Marco Paravalaris, right? And those are all phenomenal picks, and there's plenty more talent out on that side of the country. For whatever reason, I'm not feeling it. My East Coast bias is going to show through. I'm going to say to win the whole thing, Big Jed, there is nothing sweeter than a repeater. And that's what Peeps Pennington's going to be saying late tomorrow Ooh. night. Woo. How about Peep that? Show. Peep Show two-time winner, Million Vegas. That's, that's, you, that's you heard bold it. and a million-dollar pick. You heard it here first. Um, for the, uh, the racer that I'll pick to make some noise, make a deep run in the million, um, I'll go to the bottom bulb side of things. I believe it's his first appearance at Vegas. Uh, it's a name that many will be familiar with particularly out on the west coast this dude like i follow him pretty closely just because i really enjoy his uh his social media following and and the honesty in which he presents his uh his runs and in car and things like that like um 
this dude wins all the time and doesn't get the opportunity to race on this stage very often. But I just, I have this feeling, I think Henry Robertson is going to make a deep run. And, uh, and I hope it's in the million for his sake. But uh, that's a name to watch out for as you're watching the live feed. Maybe, I say tomorrow now, but perhaps if you're a loyal listener, today as you watch the Spring Fling Million unfold. Okay, I like it. Henry Robertson. I'll keep my eye on Henry. All right, so we're going to have a little bit of fun. We'll take a quick break. We're going to come back with something that we do annually. Um, if, if, you, if you're sick of this year in and year out, like you can tune out now. This is all the racing that we're actually going to talk about. I don't know if anyone enjoys this segment uh, other than us, but I can tell you this, Jed, no one enjoys this segment more than us. We're going to yeah. do our annual uh, college basketball bracket reveal coming up next. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. To make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available, subscribe. And, and, and you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing uh, our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest uh, edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. Jed and I are proud to partner with Bill Taylor Enterprises. That's BTE here within the podcast. Neither of us, Jed or myself, are strangers to BTE products, services, or customer service. I've personally been using BTE transmissions and converters exclusively since 1998. Um, That's 20 years. BTE has quite literally powered every race, every championship, every round that I've won for my entire adult life. My point, they build products that I depend on. BTE builds products that Jed depends on. BTE builds products that you can depend on. Whether it's a complete top dragster or or top sportsman power glide transmission, a torque converter designed for your specific combination, or any transmission component or bolt-on item, the folks at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed in today's ultra-competitive world of sportsman drag racing. Shop online at BTE Racing. Jed, I'm I'm giddy. I've been looking forward to this for two weeks. This might be my my favorite episode of the year. So, if you're new to the show, we've done this before. We make it a tradition. We got robbed last year, Jed. There was no NCAA tournament. We've been waiting for this day for 700 plus days. Mm -hmm. It's back. March Madness. Yeah, good stuff. We're big fans, if you can't tell, of the NCAA basketball tournament. It is my favorite, my personal favorite sporting event of the season. And for a couple of years now, we've been having some fun with the tournament. Okay, What we do typically is we attach certain things to each team in the field or a variety of teams in the field or each team in the Sweet 16. Several years ago, I think when we first got this idea, we attached our favorite excuses for losing a round to teams within the field and then one excuse eliminated the other until we had the champion excuse at the end of the tournament um the last tournament that we had we we piggybacked off an interview that we did with justin lamb where he just went on a rant about the ridiculous racing expressions that we see particularly on social media the things like the s dime like the big wheels rolling right all of those things that just we kind of look at and chuckle like justin doesn't find them amusing at all Right, and, and it was very plain about that in the interview. So we piggybacked on that. We attached ridiculous racing expressions to each team in the field. 
Okay, so basically what we're doing here is we are combining two of our favorite things, right? Attaching silly things to college basketball teams and race car names. If you have listened to the show for any duration of time, you know that we are a big fan of naming race cars. It's, it's something from a bygone era that we have been trying, albeit unsuccessfully, Big Jed, we've been trying for five years to bring it back. We want names on the side of race cars. So as the field now in the NCAA tournament has narrowed to the Sweet 16, okay, by the time that you listen to this, we'll be 24 hours or less away from the opening tip of this year's Sweet 16. We have attached 16 of our favorite race car names to each team in the field. Shouts to our listeners and our contributors. We got a lot of these ideas from the Facebook page. I got on there the other day. Mark, what did we have, like 180 comments or something on that? It was a little bit overwhelming just to try to narrow it down to 16, but we've got 16 good ones, Jed. 180. Look, we can't get the listeners to talk to us enough, but by God, we asked for some race car names, and it got nuts. I mean, they just kept them coming, which was awesome. So thank you all for everybody that, that put something out there. Whether it got, whether yours gets used or not, it was noticed and appreciated. So thank you, listeners, for, for sending those our way. One brief qualifier. The name has to be on the car, whether it's on the side of the car, on the hood scoop, on the window, on the bumper. In order to qualify for this discussion, the name has to be on the side of the car. So what you will not see is Brandon Umberger's Jelly Bean. Because to my knowledge, it does not say the Jelly Bean on it. Mm. We, we need full-blown, circa 1960, down the side of the door, name on the car, right? So there was no Jelly Bean. There's no Nadine. Sorry, Vic. We love you. It's got to be on the side of the car. If that's yeah. it, be it. We're down to 16 teams in the tournament. There are three number one seeds, but there are two uh, prohibitive favorites in this year's tournament. I would say Gonzaga, number one, and, and Baylor probably is a close second. Most, most of the, the prognosticators are picking one of the two to win, the, win this thing and or for those two to play in the final. So if you have listened to the show for any duration of time, it will come as zero surprise that our two prohibitive favorites are the Stripteaser, which will be represented by the Gonzaga Bulldogs as a number one seed, and the Saturday Night Hooker, which will be represented by the Baylor Bears. Jed, I know you have no inhibitions about either of those. Well, Luke, first of all, I think our typical listener is going, Gonzaga? Where the crap is Gonzaga? So just so everybody knows, they're in the, the Pacific. Uh, northwest they're they're uh, in the the seattle area i guess to simplify it for you so the gonzaga fighting brad plords <laughs> yes our buddy bad bad brad plord big fan obviously baylor so strip teaser saturday night hooker i like it uh, michigan still a number one seed still left in this thing getting king kong which you know is not indicative of how i feel about their chances of winning but is certainly a great name to go along with them. Well, my thoughts there, Jed, like King Kong, that's obviously Sheldon Gecker's uh, infamous, uh, unforgettable super gas ride for decades and decades, multi-time world champion. And I feel like Michigan is, I don't know, Michigan's probably not a blue blood, but Michigan, multi-time national champion, 
multi-time Final Four finisher. Like, it's no surprise to see Michigan with a one beside their name. It's no surprise to see Michigan in the Sweet 16. It's kind of a throwback. King Kong, kind of a throwback. See where I, see where I put them together? Oh, I love it. Okay, love okay. It. Great reasoning for that. So, Luke, I want to get the one after the next one. So, if you'll take over this next one. <laughs> Okay, our, our next <laughs> highest seed after the three number one seeds, that's Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, the Houston Cougars. Five Slamma Jamma is back here in 2021. Kelvin Sampson taking that team back to the Sweet 16 and probably the prohibitive favorite from their side of the bracket to make the Final Four. Houston will be representing... I had never seen this name before, Big Jed. This was one of the no. Facebook recommendations, but it is fantastic. Broke and still spending, with the S in spending <laughs> as the dollar sign. This is it. more fitting, Big Jed, when you see it on the side of an AMC spirit. Like, I can't imagine, like, let's say that you break a, a, a rocker arm on your AMC spirit. There's not going to be one of those in the pits. It's not a big block Chevrolet, right? Like, this is this is one of those things that it costs a lot of money to go racing. It costs more money to race an AMC Spirit. Broke yeah. and still spending. So that's a good one. Uh, thanks for the contribution. Uh, Ron Huntley Jr. was the one who posted that on Facebook page. Again, Houston Cougars re- will be representing broke and still spending. Yeah, if you're in the broke and still spending AMC Spirit, you need to be a ra- at a race with... Uh with somebody that's got some like equipment so matt over tannic and maybe one other guy you're going to have to be at a race with them if you break something and need help uh unless someone has a jeep that's in the pits and somewhere in the parking lot maybe you get the parts off of that but otherwise uh, that is difficult to ask to to ask someone for some amc spirit parts but look the next team on the list is a team that I, I'm beaming with pride right now. Uh, my Alabama Crimson Tide is not only in the tournament. And so we've been, we're the, uh, we're the bubble team for life. You know, always on the bubble, always, you know, about 17 and 12 or 16 and 11 and trying to figure out if we're going to make it. Could we win a couple of games? All right, they blew everybody away. They won the SEC regular season championship. They won the SEC tournament championship. And they're a number two seed in this talented field of basketball teams. So coming off our football national championship where we completely dominated every uh, football team that uh, got in front of us and we put them behind us in a hurry, we are now trying to do that in the basketball world. So we needed a name that kind of fit Alabama. And this was perfect. We have the Butterbean. And the Butterbean is the, the first-gen Camaro belonging to the Quick family here in the, the Coleman area of Alabama. About They're about 50 minutes north of me. And the Butterbean is a, is a beautiful first-gen Camaro. But, you know, it's, it's not all sitting low, tube chassis-like, like, you know, going 540s. It's a, you know, it goes 620s. It's old super stock style. So it's sitting up in the back, just kind of unassuming. You remember, you remember the Boxer? Butterbean. You remember that guy? Kind of just yeah. big and fat and sloppy. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's ringing a bell. You know, you just didn't expect much out of him. But he would get in the ring and knock your freaking lights out. I mean, he just killed people. Just did really well. He got whipped up on plenty, obviously. But he did really well. So it's all tying together, Luke. The Butterbean, great race car. Quick family's done a phenomenal job with it. 
it's uh it's but it's a little unassuming at times like you know is this car going to just continue to go dead on it does it wins here's my alabama crimson tide what this is the ncaa tournament what what do we do where where do we where do we go get a coke or a candy bar we, we've never been here before so we don't really know what to do don't count them out bro don't count them out Same serious all right, Jed, your coach is calling out Coach K. I think if he keeps this rolling, I give it two years. Alabama's going to be at basketball school. Ooh. Y'all got it going on. Uh, and, and the Butterbean, just to, just to back up everything that you said about the race car version of the Butterbean, uh, the Butterbean got on me, treated me like a bicycle with no seat at the Memphis Million last year. So I'm very all too familiar with the Butterbean. Um, and I just thought, yeah, like that's a that's a good tie-in. Number two seed, Alabama, represented by the Quick family and the Butterbean. Real quick, Luke, our coach was asked about, you know, it's a football school, and you're doing this. How do you feel about that? You know what his response was? What? We're not a basketball school. We're not a football school. We're a championship school. <laughs> that's what, like, that's a home run right there. He just okay. Crazy. I mentioned that. I may or may not have been aroused by Derek Brown's performance. The state of Alabama got a woody when he said that, Big Jed. Admit it. <laughs> you better believe it. You better believe it. I mean, he hasn't been in Tuscaloosa long, but he is speaking the language. Yes, sir, he is. All right, number two seed, Alabama. Number three seed, Arkansas. How about this, Big Jed? I think listeners younger than you and I might say, Arkansas basketball like it doesn't seem like that long ago that Nolan Richardson and Corliss Williamson and the 40 minutes of hell had that thing rolling oh yeah Jed it is yeah, not I the team it, you wanted to see on the other side I think it's been since 1996 since Arkansas was in a sweet 16 this is their first sweet 16 run in 25 years they're riding the must bus they are back Number three seed Arkansas will be represented by one of my personal favorite race car names of all time, the Alcoholic. Yes, Alan Eves, uh, Wichita Falls, Texas area. And this has actually uh, appeared on the side of multiple Alan Eves entries over the years. I thought this was just a Vega that I've seen. I assume it's still in operation, still competing. Um, this is Vega that I was probably introduced to two decades ago. The picture associated with the alcoholic on our Facebook page um, shouts to Wesley and Shannon Fowler for the contribution was actually a Monza. So there have been multiple alcoholics. It is obviously it's an alcohol burning bracket car. Like what an awesome name, right? The alcoholic. Not a name you want associated to your team. Uh, eh, it depends. I mean, there's kind of wear that with pride, Big Jeff. Kind of cool, nonetheless. You thought it was a jab. It turned out to be a jam. You know, it, it's all it's a great story. Um, but you know, Arkansas certainly a, a great basketball team. The name not very representative of again what you want your team to be associated with. But eh. nonetheless, I like it. The alcoholic, great name for the folks from Arkansas. There's some, uh, is it called alliteration? Like Arkansas, alcoholic, A? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you can try to make that sound good if you want. Number four seed, the Florida State Seminoles. This is a new one on me, and I got to admit, Jed, I laughed out loud when I read this from the quotes. Yeah. The Florida State Seminoles will be represented by the quarter pounder with ease. 
Huh? Huh? Freaking off. Because, I mean, like, at least back in the day, racing was quarter mile, quarter pounder with ease. Did you, did you put it together? Yeah, oh, I see what okay, you're saying. Okay, in yeah. So that was that was brought to us by Mike Nitschke. Mike, this uh, actually, if I understood the post correctly, this this was um, emblazoned on the side of a Nova that Mike purchased years ago. And then I don't know what the hell you were thinking, Mike. But apparently, that's not on the side anymore. How could you ever take that off? Uh, number number one, I'm starving. A quarter pounder with ease makes me hungry. Number two, <laughs> I mean, you're pounding the quarter mile and you're doing it with ease. I, I, what a great name! Whoever come up with that is is a legend in our sport, whether I know their name or not. And I think like uh, an outside, if you're not picking Gonzaga or Baylor or Alabama, like I kind of like Florida State to make a run. Yeah, Florida State's definitely capable of making a run. That's an athletic and talented group of basketball players. So. They got dudes. They do have dudes. Luke next is a five seed, uh, Villanova, and Villanova has, uh, is associated with, uh, or they they're represented representing a name that popped up on the podcast uh, a few weeks ago when uh, I was interviewing John DeBartolomeo, and I had never heard this name on a car and I thought what a great I think I even said it what a great name to be on the side of a race car but Villanova is being tied to the Puerto Rican dream it's a Vega that uh, obviously is of the in the northeast part of the country uh, I guess he ran in the 70s and 80s I don't know how long the Puerto Rican dream stayed out there or if it's still out there for that matter but the Puerto Rican dream what an awesome name for a race car and it is just a vega just a vega that's a jav that is a jav that is a jav okay so let me walk you down the road that this is a this, this is a brief escapade into how my mind works jed so how i how i connected the puerto rican dream with villanova you've heard us say you've heard me say before here on the show that i i, I likened the way that Dave Triplett's uncanny good looks seem to get better with age to that of Jay Wright, the head coach of the Villanova Wildcats, oh. right? Yeah. So my, my first instinct here was to go with the Midnight Flyer, which is the name that used to adorn Triplett's Vega. But the more I think about it, like if you put side-by-side photos of Jay Wright and John DeBartolomeo, John DeBartolomeo it's kind of freaky. Like, they're kind of the same dude and another just john d just i'm telling you there's there's more distinguished with age and i just see this correlation plus villanova at this point blue blood right multi-time champions like they've just got this air of respect that follows them everywhere that they go similar to john d hence the puerto rican dream great association there look that was well done i was proud of myself should be the five seed Creighton Blue Jays who uh, they were my upset pick early like I just don't like this Creighton team at all Marcus Zagorowski awesome player I don't think he's a winner put me on the record I just don't like the body language I can't get behind them they're about to lose but plus they play Gonzaga next like they ain't winning good point yeah bold prediction sure to go wrong somebody capture that audio Mark when, when Creighton pulls the upset this will be a good one um Creighton, number five seed, will be represented by, this is awesome too, I've never heard this one before, Pissed and Broke. Like Pissed and Broke, but Pissed 
Piston Broke. Spelled P-I-S-T hyphen N hyphen Broke. Piston Broke. This apparently was seen on a Henry J at the March meet. Piston Broke. Contributed thanks to Neil Eller. Again, the Creighton Blue Jays represented by Piston Broke. Something that I should put on every car that I've ever had because, I mean, that sums me up in a nutshell. Uh, I'm Piston Broke most of the time at the races. So what a great name. Uh, again, Creighton about to be uh, eliminated from the tournament, but they, they do get, they did last long enough to get a, a car name tied to them. So good for you, Creighton fans. I think their first Sweet 16 in decades too. Yeah, well, it'll be their it'll be their last one for a little while probably. So. Be happy to be here, Blue Jays. Be happy to be here. So next is the six seed USC Trojans out of Southern California, and I, you know, I'm starting to get some method to your madness here. I'm starting to figure out how you're you're tying these teams together, and boy, does this one make sense. So USC, obviously, another. Uh, uh, I guess tradition-rich program. No matter what sport they're playing, that's right. Uh, you got the fight in OJ Mayo's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously they've they've won many many championships at many different uh, sports on the NCAA side of things. But uh, you know that position alone just kind of puts them on top of the the crowd, looking down on everyone. You know USC still kind of rules what happens in the Pac-12. So appropriately named their their race car name is the godfather and i think that was very well done on your part are you familiar with charlie gambino's godfather oh yeah okay so charlie gambino at least when i was around charlie was running ihra top dragster i want to say that he ran the the pro outlaw class which was like the open wheel version of pro modified at one time and if you've ever had a conversation with Charlie Gambino, the Godfather reference, not far-fetched, right? Like, the dude seemed like straight out of the movie, right? And, uh, and so the Godfather was a little bit intimidating in a variety of ways and very, very fitting. So I always love the name, and it's one of those that you can, you can put that on a random car and it wouldn't mean much to me, but on Charlie's car... <laughs> the Godfather was so fitting, and yeah, to your point, like you've got USC who's kind of lording over things out west, and it seems like almost for the test of time, almost regardless of the sport, their championships have been um, uh, clouded by hints of impropriety. So <laughs> kind of like you know the mob behind the scenes, like that's how I drew that together, right? So you got the fighting OJ Mayo's, the fighting Andy Enfields, the fighting Amanda Enfields, represented by. Representing the Godfather. Yeah, sent to us by Stephen Shepard. So, Stephen, thank you for that very much. Luke, another Pac 12 team coming up here, the seven seed. And this team, I don't know, they, they just, they're kind of Jekyll and Hyde for me. Uh, the Oregon Ducks, you know, obviously a team the last, I don't know, at least the last decade, but maybe even as far back as 12 to 15 years. Uh, come to life you know it used to be a program that was a, a kind of a doormat for everybody they played and they started turning around nike money is is big and you know they had this whole uniform craze where they 
changed uniforms a whole bunch and got kids interested and kudos to them for figuring it out and and it's obviously led to great things for them but this particular team i just don't understand i watch them one time and i think they could beat everybody in the country beat the chicago bulls and then i watch them and they just don't seem to put it together so this team is a little bit aggravating if you're a fan and the name is probably fitting because it's probably aggravating at times too. You probably feel like you're you're contributing to this and not getting everything you want out of it. My kids' tuition is the name is the car that they're representing. Oregon, the seven seed. My kids' tuition, Luke, which is sometimes a hard pill to swallow. Much like watching this Oregon team play. What a great race car name. My Kids Tuition. Uh, I believe the car, it's a, it looks like a Chevelle owned by John Besaw, contributed by Nick Besaw. Um, yeah, and to your point, like Oregon, uh, a little bit all over the map. If you watch them beat the pants off of Iowa, you'd think, man, this team's winning the national championship. They're going to they're gonna challenge Gonzaga. And then you realize that Iowa couldn't stop a team of the three of us and two other dudes, right? Like they can't stop anybody, right? We'd score on Iowa. <laughs> So I think they made the Oregon offense look really good. I do look forward I think the Oregon-USC game, which that's going to pit the godfather versus my kids' tuition in the Sweet 16, I think could be the best game of the Sweet 16. But uh, I don't know. I could be surprised. I don't see Oregon going much deeper than that. They would run into Gonzaga in the Elite Eight if they did win that game. Yeah, I agree. All right, so we're getting down to the lower seeds. We've got one, two, three, four, five remaining. Right, so these are the long shots, right? These are the Cinderella stories. Although eight seeded Loyola Chicago, like they're an eight seed, but if you look in their portion of the bracket, uh, they're in that portion with Houston and two double-digit seed teams. Loyola's been to the Final Four before. I don't think it would be a shock to anybody if they made it there. I think it would be a shock if they ended up winning the title. But if they do, they will carry with it one of my personal favorite race car names of all time, the meat wagon once again the meat wagon represented by Loyola Chicago I think we had Gary Williams on the show one time who brought the meat wagon to our attention the meat wagon is a Vega station wagon uh, hails from I want to say northern Kentucky southern Ohio somewhere in that range bright orange Tim Browning is the gentleman that owns it drives it uh, the meat wagon spelled meat you know as in like a cow wagon uh, yeah Good stuff, right? Great, great race car name, obviously. Yes. The Meat Wagon is, is a wonderful name for a race car. Uh, if I was the Meat Wagon, if I was fans of Loyola, Loyola Chicago or the race car, the Meat Wagon, I love this combination. I love tying them together. Loyola Chicago is the eight seed, Luke, as you mentioned. They have already eliminated their in-state number one seed, uh, Illinois Fighting Illini, put them out of the tournament which, by the way, was a really tough draw for Illinois. That was uh, that, that seeding probably wasn't exactly what they had in mind as a number one. So uh, put them out of the tournament. Loyola, talented group, has been to a Final Four um, in the last tournament, I guess, the last one it was played two years ago, correct? Three years ago. It was three, okay. Yep. So uh, they've got sister, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, is it Mary, sister Elizabeth? Uh, Sister Jean, Sister Jean. It was one of the it was one of the Illinois freshmen after the game. He's like, yeah, you know, I guess Lady Jean got us. That was a freshman move, right? Sister Jean, yeah. come on, man. Sister yeah, so Jean. they've got Sister Jean. It comes to the tournament game. She's like a hundred and two, and she's still out there, uh, you know, yelling at them and coaching them and 
and they obviously got some divine intervention on their side. So watch out for this group. How is that? Like nobody can get into these tournament games, right? It's it's borderline unsafe coronavirus. This woman's a hundred and one. She's there. I mean, just living it up. I I tell you what, for the casual, those listening, if you are a casual college basketball fan and you're trying to wrap your head around the correlation between the Loyola Chicago Ramblers and the Meat Wagon, I want you to do this. Just perform this exercise for us. Get the Googler out and search the name of Loyola's best player, a young man by the name of Cameron Crutwig. And you pull up that picture and you put it in front of you and you tell me that the meat wagon does not personify this team. Cameron Crutwig looks like a guy that should be connected to the meat wagon. <laughs> look up look up Cameron for sure. Now, Luke, in my opinion, that's the last team on the list that's got any chance of taking their race car uh, much farther in this tournament. So Fair. we'll get into these last few. The 11 seed UCLA Bruins, uh, always a, a basketball power or, or traditionally a basketball power. But Ten straight had, NCAA championships. Yeah. And Ten that was, straight. Uh, that was obviously in the John Wooden days and certainly not. Uh, we won't ever see that again. And, you know, they'd be lucky to make it. 10 tournaments out of the next 20 years the way they play sometimes so they've got my alabama crimson tide so the butter bean is going to take out the loose caboose and what a great name for a race car that one's been around since the 70s as well in the laboose family but the loose caboose as much as i love the the, the, the laboose family and those mopars it's coming to an end for them ucla and the loose caboose fixing to get their walking papers yeah, no, I think you get the connection here too. Like, I just had to pay homage to Big John to the loose caboose by connecting it to a true blue bro- blue blood, like arguably the most successful program in college basketball history. It seems as though uh, it seems only right that UCLA would represent an iconic race car name like the loose caboose. And I should have said that, Luke. You, you you've tied together two brands that had a period of dominance at one point in their life total dominance yet they don't have that anymore they're still around making noise so very well done on your part yeah who it would surprise no one if big john rolled into let's say the uh, sfg million and was in the sweet 16 right yes very good point all right syracuse the orangeman another uh, I don't know if they're a blue blood, but traditionally strong program. Uh, seated low this year, snuck into the tournament, but as usual, making noise as a lower-seeded team in the tournament. They are in the Sweet 16. They will once again be represented by yet another iconic racing name. How about Godzilla? I know we've talked about this car before. One of my favorite cars of all time, the old shoebox of Nick and Joanne Ayarusi. Godzilla. Yeah, obviously this car is iconic. It's legendary. It it is a, a staple among favorite race car name discussions. And Godzilla, obviously utilizing the old trick from back in the day of uh, moving the rear end closer to the engine and getting yourself a little bit more traction. Uh, the shortened shoebox is a car that just once you see it is just burned in your memory forever again an iconic brand along with syracuse i've uh, been around a minute uh, certainly had um its period of dominance as well but 
those days have been put behind them for now at least so great tie there Syracuse and Godzilla uh, probably fixing to make their way out of the tournament as well but still good run for them went deeper than I thought they'd go Godzilla uh, you got to get out of those bald spots Jed yeah, yeah, that's right. Your your spots are in a different when you when you shorten the wheelbase by about a foot and a half. Your <laughs> your spots are in a different place. A great point, Luke. That was absolutely the thought process. And no, I I like the tie in there too. Like another uh, Syracuse is a program that's been a power for a long time. Uh, their their most powerful days are probably. Uh, decades in the past similar to Godzilla but uh, certainly homage there and I just I don't know like I think of Godzilla as a throwback because I haven't seen that car in years and let's face it Jim Beheim, led by best player Buddy Beheim, a bit of a throwback right like Jim Beheim wants nothing to do he's not interested in your social media he's not interested in your blog or your podcast whatever you call those things right he's just kind of a crusty old man like I just I had to throw it back to uh, a standout, iconic race car name of yesteryear. Yeah, good point. They huh? they both they both demand or, or command instant respect. All right, well, we've got left of the two biggest Cinderellas remaining in the tournament: twelve seeded, the Oregon State Beavers, and the fifteen seed Oral Roberts. I don't even know what Oral Roberts mascot is. Do you? I have no idea. Okay, trivia time. Where is Oral Roberts located? Uh, for some reason, I feel like Oral Roberts is around Baltimore or something. Okay, you you just missed by a little bit. You're close geographically. Oral Roberts in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, you just missed just by a touch. Right? Just a maybe division I, maybe I know a guy named Oral Roberts from Baltimore. I don't know. <laughs> Perhaps that's what you're thinking of, yes. <laughs> All right, so the 12-seeded Oregon State Beavers will be represented by... The Weekend Mistress. I saw this one. This is Bob Bastian Sr. He claims that his wife named the car. How appropriate. The Weekend Mistress. Again, represented by the Oregon State Beavers and the Cinderella of Cinderella's. Only the second 15 seed in history, Big Jed, to reach the Sweet 16. The Oral Roberts fighting Tulsa's. They'll be represented by Stick It. Okay, if you think it like stick it, what? In, this is obviously referring to a a four-speed car. This was on the side of a four-speed Chevelle, and then you just think like at least in our form of racing, Jed. If your name is not Tim Nicholson, you're not winning very often in a stick shift a- equipped car. You would be a significant underdog, like the Oral Roberts Bulldogs, like the Oral Roberts Wildcats. If they're from Tulsa, maybe they should be the Oilers or something. Stick it. What a great name. And back to Oregon State, uh, I would think uh, having an Oregon State jersey in your closet and a weekend mistress is very similar. Uh, You you certainly (laughs) don't want anybody to know you have either one. So I can see why you'd tie those two together. And then Oral Roberts, uh, stick it. With, for the four-speed Chevelle, our, my man Deuce Donald Gertz uh, sent that in. That's a that's a great name. I imagine a 15 seed being this deep in the tournament. They've probably told somebody to stick it a time or two as they left the court. So um, very good, great list, great car names. Looking forward to seeing the Butterbean move to round number next. 
I bet you are. There's something about the weekend mistress and the beavers. There's a tie in there. There's a joke there. I haven't come up with it just yet, but yeah, there's something to that. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so we had we had a hundred plus submission suggestions. You really did do that? Go ahead. I did. I did. Um, again, uh, sponsored by Manscape. Appreciate you being on the show. <laughs> um, so we had we had several uh, contributions to uh, our favorite race car names. We picked out, I think, our favorite 16 or the 16 that we thought best fit, you know, for whatever odd uh, reasons that we could string together. Um, were there any other on the list, Jed, that stood out that you thought deserved uh, an honorable mention? Well, I like, obviously, there was a, a ton of them uh, that were submitted, and I like a few. Uh, I, I really like Mighty Mouse mainly because there was a car that I raced with way back in the day that was Mighty Mouse. So it, I know that's not the same car. The recommendation didn't come from, from my area, but uh, it, was a, it was a car that I enjoyed racing against and a driver I enjoyed racing with. Um, I, I'm a big fan of um, Candy Crush. I like Candy Crush because it starts with a K. Uh, that, was a, that was a pretty cool deal. And... Uncle Buck, um, I I don't know if that was really on the side of a car, but Uncle Buck is just a cool name, and I would like to name my car Uncle Buck, but I wouldn't want to put it on the side of it. Fair enough, fair enough. I uh, I can't. I'm, I'm dating myself by saying this, but I cannot think of the words Mighty Mouse without picturing Andy Kaufman. <laughs> yeah. Um, the one that stood out to me that I had highlighted just because like, I don't know why, my, again, my mind is kind of convoluted as to the things that I find funny, but uh, the name Small Profit, like for a race car to begin with, clever, and then specifically on the side of a Monza, do you get it? Like they're not big cars. Yeah. Profit, yeah, I see what you did there. Yeah, right? Like big things come in small packages kind of thing. I like that. <laughs> All right, so that is our Sweet 16. Um, we'll come back on, like, uh, I think our, the next time that we get together, Big Jed, will either be just before or just after the Final Four. So we won't really get to beat this into submission as much as we normally would, but we will certainly follow up with the champion. Odds on favorite, the strip teaser. Big surprise if the strip teaser wins our bracket, right? We're a big fan of the strip teaser. Um, obviously, you'll be rooting on the Butterbean. I'll pull for the I'll pull for the the upset. I'll pull for the Ramblers to make some noise and uh, the Meat Wagon to at least advance to the final four. Yeah, well, it sounds like a good uh, good group making their way to the semis. So look forward to seeing how it plays out, and I'm sure we'll briefly touch on it as we. Uh, do the the next show that we get together on so looking forward to that and hopefully i'm talking about the butterbean uh, having a chance at winning it all but luke otherwise so uh, that pretty much wraps us up um it's been a great show a lot of fun uh, we certainly appreciate the sponsors help bring the show to you and we ask that you use them each and every time uh, you can utilize their products and or services and um we uh, certainly want to hear from you as we did great job by the way again shout out to the listeners for 180-ish replies on the race car names. So thank you for that. And we certainly want to hear from you more. Reach out to us on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. Send us a private message or just put it right out there for everybody to see like y'all did on this list. Uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. Luke, this has uh, been a great show. Surely there's a great list.
the shouts to go with it. 100% you know the shouts to the Oral Roberts University. We're not the Fighting Wildcats, the Cardinals, or the Bulldogs. They're the Golden Eagles, Big Jed. And how I feel awful for not knowing this, the last time that I coached basketball, that's right, in my, in my 6U team, I let the boys pick their own name, and guess what? We were the Golden Eagles. How am I not cheering on my brethren? The Oral Roberts Golden Eagle, but Eagles, by the way, having a much better run in my, in my two years coaching experience. I'm winless. So shouts to Oral Roberts and the Golden Eagles. Shouts to Joel Olstein, Big Jed, famous alumni of Oral Roberts University, mm. which is not actually, believe it or not, in Baltimore, Maryland. It's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Shouts to Moore Gooder. Shouts to Ben Dover and his 12-pack of Krispy Kremes. Shouts to Gage Birch and his boyish good looks. Shouts to Just a Monza and Jam and Jav and Just a Vega. Shouts to DHL because, as we all know, Big Jed, ship happens. Shouts to my man crush, Derek Brown. Shouts to Mike Boner. Speaking of man crushes, shouts to Mighty Mouse, Andy Kaufman, and once again, the Earl Roberts, Golden Eagles. What a great list of shouts. Uh, those you, We don't get to hear those kind of shouts at each show. So I loved it. Well done, Luke. Uh, thank you, listeners, for listening. That wraps us up. Uh, as I said, reach out to us on the Facebook page and let us know what you like, what you didn't like, and let's do less didn't like, more did like. We definitely want to hear that. And uh, if you do the Twitter, Luke and I are right there on it. You can catch up with us. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. Catch up with us. Let us know what's happening. And we look forward to talking to you real soon about more sportsman drag racing. Shouts to Kathy Lee Gifford. Shouts to former NBA player Haywood Workman. Famous Oral Roberts alums. Shouts to the Beavers. See you guys. Shouts to Stay steady, I'll flip the rig, grab another ride, come back and win like I'm Corey Galetti. Rihanna split, better have my money. What I gotta do to prove I've been running. Show up with the double to the Derby City. Stack, shove it, next to a big check, that's time for a half a milli. Like Mad Diddy, no messing with me, I win a ship. Show out by case of pushing and hire Dilly. If you know, then you know, it's those long nights, early mornings, rolling down these old back roads. Working all week, trying to turn this blood sweat. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. 
You can dream of that feeling all you want. Or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elitist for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.